My name is Emma Kaufman. I'm with Performance Livestock Analytics out of Lubbock, Texas. And you're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture with Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas from New Orleans at the Cattle Industry Convention, where we've got another episode of Texas Ag Today ready to roll for you. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, sustainability is a major focus for cattle producers, and it's a big emphasis here at the Cattle Industry Convention in New Orleans. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Texas livestock producers are keeping a close eye on their herds during this week's winter storm. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from a North Texas cattle producer on Texas Ag Today. For farmers, the upcoming season will mean resuming the annual battle with weeds. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll hear from a Texas High Plains expert on the importance of avoiding problems with drift when spraying herbicides. McLean County and much of Texas need to break in the current weather pattern. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Our report today coming to you from New Orleans, site of the 2023 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show. Our coverage of the convention this week, sponsored by Performance Livestock Analytics, makers of the Performance Ranch software, an easy-to-use solution for cow-calf producers. Performance Ranch helps you manage cow-calf data in real time. You can create and access digital records whether you're in the pasture, at the chute, or in the barn without searching for a notebook or group text. Learn more at performancelivestockanalytics.com. It seems that every cattle meeting we've attended in the last few years has a big focus on the sustainability of the cattle industry, and this one is no exception. Dr. Samantha Worth is the National Cattlemen's Beef Association Senior Director of Sustainability. She says there are several opportunities to learn about sustainability here in New Orleans. First and foremost, we have our sustainability forum, continuing commitment to a sustainable future. So that forum will be featuring producers from across the United States, as well as one of the leading experts in this field of sustainability, Dr. Sarah Place, to talk with Colin about you know, what's happening in sustainability, how are producers working on the ground to get our goals achieved and where we headed in the future of sustainability. Another sustainability highlight is the annual NCBA Environmental Stewardship Awards, according to NCBA Associate Director of Sustainability Projects, Grace Vahey. 
And this is a prestigious award that displays the work that our farmers and ranchers do to leave the land and natural resources in better shape for future generations. It's an exciting way for us to not only honor these stewards of the land and the livestock, but it provides us an opportunity to share stories of how the cattle industry operates environmentally, economically, and socially. Another big topic of discussion at this year's convention is the shrinking cow herd and higher prices that are predicted as a result. Tuesday's biannual cattle inventory report confirmed what everyone was expecting. The nation's cattle herd now totals 89.3 million head, down 3% from a year ago. The national cow herd numbers now stand at 38.3 million head, also down 3%. When you look at the state-by-state breakdown, the numbers were a bit surprising for us in Texas. With all of the massive cow herd culling we did last year because of the drought, you would expect to see a big drop. But the report showed Texas cow herd numbers now at 4.3 million head. That's down only 3% from a year ago, the same as the national numbers. This week's ice storm across much of Texas was a challenge for cattle producers. Tom Nicoletti visits with one North Texas cattleman about the effect the storm had on his operation. We go to North Texas and Wise County where Daniel McCurdy joins us. He is a cattle rancher and he raises crops as well uh, in the the region. He is from Decatur. And Daniel, another winter blast in Texas. Uh, What uh, are the conditions and what have they been there in your area? We're kind of putting a pretty good test on our four high and all our pickups, but pretty spotty depending on how much moisture you got. A lot of ice and a little bit of sleet, not much snow, but definitely some slick spots and uh, hungry cattle. And how are those cattle coping? Probably better this year, honestly, than that winter freeze we had two years ago where we had so much snow on the ground, but they're definitely hungry and eating more They're watching for the slick spots, but kind of just making sure to keep plenty of forage and feed out for them. Yes, you had been out feeding the cattle. How difficult uh, has that been? And uh, what about the water supply? Depends on where you are. If you're on the, the main roads, they pretty clear but um but water supply it kind of just depends on the pasture if you got a stock tank you're breaking some ice but a lot of water so far is it stayed warm, warm enough that i really had to worry about it freezing and uh feeding hay to the cattle uh what's uh, been the difficulty there uh, just getting out into the pasture and, and getting the feed to them so far you know the hay I think everybody hadn't had too much problem with it we've hovered around that upper 20s to low 30s during the day so Tractors are still starting fairly easily and kind of just making sure you don't slide off the road into the bar ditch with a lot of hay on the back. Are you doing anything different um, more times a day? Just feeding more, going from 20 or 24 pounds a day of forage to try to get it up there around 30 or 35 for lactating cows. In good weather, I'll feed every third day, so now I'm feeding every other when it's colder and icier. That is Daniel McCurdy. He's a cattle rancher in North Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas farmers will soon begin the annual battle with weeds. James Hunt looks at ways to avoid drift when spraying herbicides. As the wintertime producer education meetings continue around the Texas High Plains, drift minimization is once again a big topic. I had a chance to talk about this with Blaine Reed of Texas A&M AgriLife. There's always an issue with drift. The basic physics haven't changed in 800 years, uh, which we need to be reminded of. But the technology we're using in the field, especially spraying over the top, whether it be uh, which commodity crop we're going, spraying over the top, drift can be a serious issue. In recent years, with the Dicamon 24D type drifts in cotton, it's really something we need to be on top of. In fact, we have label requirements for a lot of the herbicide technologies we're using in the field 
They require drift minimization. Of course, for any farmer who plans to use one of those oxen herbicides Blaine Reed mentioned, if you haven't participated in an annual oxen training yet, check with AgriLife about opportunities in your area. On another note, Reed points out that drift is still something to keep in mind, even with new technology like see and spray. This is technology from the sprayer that can go over a weed and identify that weed and spray only that weed. That doesn't mean we need to increase our speed in the field or get away from the droplet size. Uh, some of these herbicides can do quite a bit of damage with just one one thousandth or one one millionth of the rate. And a small droplet can hang around in the air for hours and drift miles. So we don't necessarily want to get away from that, even though technology is improving in the field for precision. Blaine Reed is AgriLife's integrated pest management agent for Hale and Swisher counties. You can call him or your local extension office for more information on controlling drift. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. This week's ice storm brought some much-needed moisture to central Texas. But Dr. Shane McClellan tells us that part of the state is still way behind on annual rainfall. Depending on where you live in McLennan County, the rainfall amount you have received for the last 365 days is in a range from negative 6 to negative 16. That's negative 6 to negative 16 below our normal expected rainfall during the last year. It's dry. We have been in a drought-top weather pattern really since August of 2021. In November rains we had in McLennan County were a godsend and made the small grains look great. Our livestock pastures were off to a good start. There was some grazing starting to grow. Then we had the two days of Arctic weather right before Christmas. That cold blast killed much of our grazing, and it really dinged up our small grain. We have some green pastures now, but it's taken that long for our grass to respond and grow, but it's just really not growing off like we would expect due to the lack of moisture. Small grains do look better now than I would expect with the amount of moisture that we received. The December freeze, like I mentioned, it did set back our wheat and our oats, but a timely rain would go a long way in helping those crops rebound. In central Texas, farmers have been plowing and prepping fields for spring planting. Typically in McLennan County, corn farmers are going to start planting corn around the first week in February. Cornwood does require a soil temperature of 50 degrees Fahrenheit to germinate. Now planting into a soil that is less than 50 degrees Fahrenheit will cause that seed to sit dormant, which does increase seed vulnerability to disease, insects, animal predators, primarily hogs. Uh, in cool conditions, corn may not emerge for up to three to four weeks. You really don't want seed sitting in a dry seed bed that long. Uh, if soil conditions are at or above 50 degrees, then we plant and have a cold, chilly rain. Of course, that's going to drop our soil temperatures. Really don't want to do that. Really hoping we can warm up a little bit and then stay consistently warm and receive some rainfall to help our corn farmers get off to a good start. The Clinton County Junior Livestock Show will be the week of February 6th through the 10th with the Sale of Champions on Friday, February 10th at 6.30 p.m. 4-H and FFA youth from all over McLennan County will be exhibiting their AgMEC project along with rabbits, poultry, goats, lambs, swine, and cattle. The youth livestock projects continue to be a valuable teaching tool for all of our kiddos. Until next time, this is Dr. Shane McClellan reporting from Central Texas for Texas Ag Today. 
The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is gearing up for the annual Abandoned Crab Trap Removal. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more on the volunteer event coming up on Texas Ag today. And healthy hooves help arthritic joints in horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Healthy hooves help arthritic joints in horses. Dr. Bob Judd has more. Certain trimming and shoeing techniques can alter a horse's biomechanics and make the horse more or less painful from arthritis. Dr. Andy Parks indicates that horses with arthritis try to shorten their stride to reduce load on the arthritic joints and believes the pain is associated with a concussion of impact and extreme range of motion. Materials that decrease impact on the foot, like soft sand or some shoeing materials, can decrease pain on impact. When picking up a horse's leg, be aware of the range of motion and decrease it as much as possible. Many horses have increased range of motion when the range of motion is exceeded, and this is why veterinarians perform flexion tests on horses when evaluating lameness. Rolling the toe has been shown to decrease breakover, and this makes it easier and quicker to get the foot off the ground and decreases pain. Another concern is hoof balance, and this term is difficult to define, but if the coronary band is asymmetrical, the hoof may be imbalanced. This indicates the foot is not growing symmetrically, and the side of the hoof wall with the most load has decreased growth and is a complicating issue. Unbalanced hooves can lead to arthritis due to excessive pressure on certain areas. Heel support is important, and the heel should be trimmed to the base of the frog for the best support. However, elevating the heels is not always a good idea, as this can lead to increased pressure on the coffin joint. Correctly trimmed feet and possible shoeing with pads can decrease pain and arthritis in many different horses, but incorrect shoeing and trimming can also lead to lameness if trimmed improperly, and the type of shoe can increase or decrease lameness. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is gearing up for the annual crab trap removal. Jessica Domel has more on this yearly volunteer event in today's wildlife report. February is finally here, and that means it is time for the annual abandoned crab trap removal on the Texas coast. Every year for the last 21 years, volunteers have helped search for and remove abandoned crab traps along the coast. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, abandoned crab traps can foul shrimpers' nets. They snag anglers' lines, ghost fish, which is where they trap and unintentionally kill fish, and they can create unseemly views. Before the annual abandoned crab trap removal event later this month, the Texas Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is closing Texas coastal waters to crabbing with wire mesh crab traps from February 17th through the 26th. 
Any traps left in the bays after that time, including traps tied to docks, will be considered abandoned and litter under Texas state law. That allows volunteers to legally remove any crab traps they find during cleanup efforts. TPWD says volunteers are needed to assist in the coastwide cleanup effort. Several sites have been established for the crab trap cleanup on Saturday, February 18th. The main volunteer event for Sabine Lake will not be on the 18th. Instead, it will be Saturday, February 25th to align with the Louisiana Department of Fish and Wildlife events. Volunteers can pick up free tarps, gloves, and additional information at TPWD Coastal Fisheries Field Stations. A webinar on the abandoned crab trap removal will be held at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday, February 8th. A link to sign up for that webinar, as well as a list of crab trap drop-off sites, is available on the TPWD website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Time once again to check the markets. Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded higher on Thursday following the release of a weekly sales export report by the U.S. Department of Agriculture showing exports slightly higher than in last week's report. February live cattle up a dollar thirty-two to one fifty-nine seventy-five. April live cattle up a dollar sixty to one sixty-three eighty-two. June live cattle up a dollar thirty to one sixty even. Feeder cattle were also supported by corn trading lower on Thursday. March feeder cattle up two dollars and sixty-seven cents to one eighty-five ninety-two. April feeder cattle up two dollars and twelve cents to one ninety oh seven. May feeder cattle up a dollar eighty-five to one ninety-four twenty-five. Box beef was higher Thursday. Choice up eleven cents to two sixty-five eighteen. Select up sixty-eight cents to two fifty-three forty-six. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Benny Cox from Producers in Cargill managed to squeak out a cold, icy sheep and goat sale on Tuesday. Benny, let's walk those pins. Yesterday we had 16.45, which is about as light as I've ever seen, I guess. Slaughter nannies, they were a little softer on the top end, kind of 110 to 156. Most of them sold in the ranks from kind of 150 to 157. Slaughter billies, 170 to 256. We're seeing a bunch of those things show up pretty pretty thin. they got to bring 170 before they can bring more. And the bigger those billies are, the better those 
guys like them. The few wool lambs that we did sell, selling in a range from 161 to 250. Of course, those 250s are real light. On the light end of the, the hair sheep slaughter type, anywhere from $2 to 330 Anything over $3 would have been those new crop type. Heavier weight lambs, 130 to $233. On the ewes, they sold in a range from 80 to 126 mostly 104 to 108 Kid goats, 230 to 365 but mostly 316 to 335 on those neat ones. And there were some of those real neat little feeder kids that sell up to as high as 395 And in this weather, that kind of surprised me. I figured they'd kind of shy away from those. But, you know, right up there around $4, we're talking about those 35-40 pounders, you know. And, of course, cattle sale was scheduled for Thursday, canceled because of ice. But y'all have got a busy week coming next week. I actually have a special cash sale slated in conjunction with a regular Thursday sale next week and then a cow sale following that. And we're going to be here for you. We just decided that it was better for y'all not yeah. to have a sale tomorrow. That market may not be very good if you could make it here. Right. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of y'all, Benny. Well, they can call me on my mobile if they want to. It's 325-234-4277. The office is the same area code. 653-3371. Or they can always look at the web, which is Purdue and Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. February lean hogs were up a dollar thirty-seven Thursday to seventy-five thirty-five. April lean hogs up a dollar seventy to eighty-six even. February class three milk rose three cents to seventeen ninety-three a hundred weight. March class three milk up twenty-two cents to seventeen eighty-six a hundred weight. Cotton traded higher on Thursday. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's export report for cotton was lower than last week's report, but sales were sufficient. March cotton up 78 points to 86.39. May cotton up 76 points to 87.10. December cotton up 74 points to 86 even. Corn fell on little fresh news to excite traders on Thursday. March corn down five and three quarters to six seventy-five and a quarter. May corn down five and three quarters to six seventy-three and three quarters. September corn down one and three quarters to six oh nine. March hard red wheat down three and a half to eight eighty and three quarters. May hard red wheat down three to eight seventy-three and three quarters. July hard red wheat down two and a half to eight sixty-five and a half. March natural gas was even at 246. April natural gas even at 253. March crude oil fell 62 cents to 75.79 a barrel. April crude oil fell 61 cents to 76.12 a barrel. The Dow fell 232 points to 33,860. The S&P 500 was up 30 to 4,149. The Nasdaq was up 263 points to 12,083. That wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel. I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.